You're listening to the Three Stations podcast with your host, Joshua Abdul Haq, featuring Sheikh Mohammed Abdullahi. The path, walking on this path sometimes is hectic, uphill, trials should be expected, turn back, turn back the hands of time, mind over matter, meditate to still the mind, illusion clouds perception, question, are you heading in the right direction? Softly, as if I play piano in the dark, found a way to channel my anger not to embark. The world's a stage and everybody got to play their part. God works in mysterious ways, so when he starts the job of speaking to us, we be so sincere with this here. No drugs and alcohol, so I can get the signal clear as day. Assalamu alaikum, this is your brother Joshua Abdul Haq, and thanks for tuning back into the Three Stations podcast. That verse that you heard from me was actually performed way better by outcast on their sophomore album at aliens and the song itself is called at aliens i really really like that verse because it triggers something in me particularly the line god works in mysterious ways so when he starts the job of speaking to us we're so sincere you know everybody has an experience in their life at some point where they know that god allah is speaking to them whether it's through reading a verse in quran whether it's through something that your grandmother told you or whether it's through a life experience that really rocked you to your foundation, you knew Allah was talking to you, but you may not have understood what he was trying to say. And on this episode today, we're going to talk about something which is near and dear to me, which is why do you need a shake? Softly as if I play piano in the dark Found a way to channel my anger not to involve The world's a stage and everybody got to play their part God works in mysterious ways So when he starts the job of speaking through us We be so sincere with this here No drugs or alcohol so I can get the signal clear as day Put my block away, I got a stronger weapon That never runs out of ammunition So I'm ready for war, okay Throw your hands in the air And wave them like you just don't care And if you like fish and grits and all the pimps You know, there was a time where I wasn't really the best Muslim. (laughs) Uh, Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you can't. But for me, I did not come out of the clouds. Um, You know, when I was in college, I believed that Islam was the truth. uh, But I wasn't necessarily feeling living the Muslim life. You know, when it was time to fast for Ramadan, I was kind of annoyed or resented it. You know, like an hour or two before Maghrib, I was like, man, I really got to keep fasting. I made it through most of the day, right? Or when it was time to wake up for Fajr in the morning, I was like, yeah, I'm going to hit that snooze button because it's too early. I mean, really, the first time I even found out the real fudge, what the real Fajr time was, I thought you had it till like sunrise to pray. <laughs> and then come to find out, actually, you don't. And I was like, yeah, I think that's not for me. So, you know, as I came to grow as a Muslim and want to be more pleasing to Allah, I realized that there were a lot of things about myself that I had to change. There was a lot of sincerity that I needed to build up within me so that when Allah was talking to me, I could understand it clearly. 
you know, previous to those moments, I always knew that when Allah was talking to me, it was being filtered through something that was my own desires, my own vanity, my own laziness, which I came later to learn is the nafs, the soul, the ego of a human being. And that ego, until you tame it and move it from its, you know, lower, lower self where it's encouraging you to be lazy, to miss prayers, to want to break your fast, to want to drink, to do things Allah doesn't like. Until you get beyond that lower self into your higher self, you're always going to be filtering Allah's words through a prism that's not giving you what you need. Um, and that's what takes me back to that outcast verse. And it is it, one of my all time favorite ones. If you want to check it out, you know, I'm not getting paid to plug outcast, but being that I'm from Atlanta, you know, I got to rep the home team every now and again. But back to why you need a shake on this episode, we're actually going to uh, meet with uh, my own personal shake, Sheikh Abdullahi. In every movie you can imagine, there's always an example of a wizened uh, master who takes on a young apprentice and schools them, whether it's Yoda, whether it's Merlin, uh, whether it's Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid or Jackie Chan for some of my younger audience members. <laughs> there's always an example, you know, even in uh, Harry Potter, there's Dumbledore. <laughs> even in uh, Doctor Strange, you had the ancient one. It's a classic pattern that exists um, continuously. The idea of the old wise master and the young apprentice and the process that that apprentice has to go through to get purified, to grow, to develop and to come into their own selves and realize their full potential. And that's exactly what a sheikh is designed to do for you. The sheikh is the master who takes you as an apprentice and helps develop and grow you until you become the King Arthur. You become the Harry Potter. You become the Doctor Strange. You become the Luke Skywalker. Um, that process is something that is um, as old as humanity itself. And Sheikh Abdullahi is going to kind of introduce you to Allah talking about that in the Quran and some hadith that are relevant to the subject. So stay tuned. Keep listening and enjoy the show. Sheikh Abdullahi is a Moorish American Muslim born and raised in the wilderness of North America. He's dedicated to the mental and spiritual resurrection of the black American community through the transformative teachings of Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. You can read more of his writings at muhammadabdullahi.blogspot.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I'm here with uh, my Sheikh, Sheikh Muhammad Abdullahi. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh, and welcome to the show. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Sheikh. Today we're going to be focusing on the question of uh, why do you need a Sheikh? And uh, we'll see where it takes us, inshallah. Okay, inshallah ta'ala. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillahir rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Rahman Rahim, Maliki Omidin, Iyakena Budua Iyakena Stain, Edina Serota Mustakim, Serota Legina Anamta Alehim, Rail Magdubi Alehim, Waladolin Amin. Allahumma Sali Allah Sayyidina Mohammed in Al Fatah Lima Ulik, Walhatib Lima Sabok, 
Nasr al-Haqi bil-Haqi wal-Hadi ila siratika al-Mustaqimi wa ala alihi haqqa qadrihi wa miqdarihi al-Azim wa radiyallahu ta'ala an ashabi rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ajma'in wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-Ali al-Azim ama ba'du Amin Well, the question is very general Why do we need a shaykh? Or why do we need a spiritual guide? Mm-hmm. And the answer is found in the pages of the Quran, the book of guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed for humanity to our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But in those pages of the Quran, we will find the answer for why we need a guide. And among those ayat that you can cite that would establish the basis for why we need a guide is among the following. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala says in Surah At-Tawbah, Bara'atun, that's the ninth chapter, the 119th verse, Allah says, بَعْدَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ Ya ayyuhallazina amanu ittaqullah wa kunu ma'as-sadiqin Allah says in this verse O you who have faith be regardful of Allah be mindful of Allah be consciously aware of Allah and be with those who are truthful kunu ma'as-sadiqin be with those who are truthful we see another ayat, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, Allah blessed and exalted is he, says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, that is the fifth surah, the 35th verse, Allah says, Ya ayyuhallazina amanu ittaqullah wabtagu ilayhi al-wasila wa jahidu fi sabilihi la'allakum tuflihun. You see Allah says in the verse, O you who have faith, again, he's addressing the people of Iman. And he says, be mindful, be regardful, be dutiful, be consciously aware of Allah, ittaqullah. Then he gives this command, wabtagu ilayhi al-wasila. And then seek the means of approach to him. Wajahidu fi sabilihi. And then strive and struggle in his path, la'allakum tuflihun. In order that you may be successful. Allah says in the other place in Quran we can cite in Surah Al-Luqman that is Surah Al-Luqman the 15th verse Allah says in the book wa in jahadaka ala an tushrika bima laysa laka bihi ilmun fala tuti'huma wa sahibuhuma fi dunya ma'rufan wa tabi' sabila man anaba ilayya Allah said in the Surah Al-Luqman, discussing after having told us, commanded us to be dutiful towards our parents, then he says where I began, but if they should strive against you, your parents, to cause you to associate partners with Allah, to commit shirk with Allah, Allah says, do not obey them. 
neither your mother nor your father, if they command you to do shirk, don't obey them, but rather dwell with them in this world. Deal with them, dwell with your parents, even if they should seek to call you towards shirk. Don't obey them in that, but still dwell with them, the, the Quran says, in goodness. And then he says the point that I want us to hear. Follow the path of one who has turned to me. Follow the path of one who has turned to me. And literally, this is the language. Follow the path of one who turns to me. And then he says, because surely to me is all of your return and I will inform you about what you used to do. Now, if I could recite one or two more verses that I would like to just establish as the foundation. Please. Thank you. So the next verse I will recite is a verse that is in Surah Al-Jumu'ah, and it is the second verse. And this verse will lay the entire mission of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he was commissioned with by Allah and then those who come behind him, following him in his footsteps, then the implication would be they have to the same mission. Well, Allah says in Surah Jumu'ah, هُوَ الَّذِي بَعَثَ فِي الْأُمِيِّينَ رَسُولًا مِنْهُمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِيهِمْ وَيُعَلِمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَإِنْ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ So Allah says, Allah is the one who raised up fil-umiyina. He raised up in the midst of the unlearned, in the midst of the unlettered, in the midst of those who did not have a tradition of receiving prophets and messengers and scriptures, i.e. guidance, he says, So he raised up from among those people a messenger, and then this messenger had four things to do with those people. So says this verse. Number one, Yatlu alayhim ayatihi, to recite to them the signs of Allah. To recite to them the revelation of Allah in this sense. The Quran. him number two, to purify them. him to purify them, i.e., to purify their soul, to purify their consciousness, to purify their body, to purify their entire being. him Wayu'allimuhumul Kitab, number three, and to teach them the book. Teach them the divine commandments as well as the divine prohibitions. Wal hikmah, and teach them the wisdom, which is in essence teaching them how to apply all of the above in their life. And then he said, because before that, wa in min kablu, before having been sent such a messenger from among themselves, he said, 
They were in clear error. They were in clear misguidance. They were clearly astray. Now, I will only recite one more verse, which will connect with the verse I just recited regarding this second level of the mission of our Prophet, which is yuzakihim, to purify them. So you found in the Quran, in the last verse uh, that I will recite on this point, is in Surah Al-Shams, the sixth through the ninth verses. And Allah says in that chapter, uh, so Allah is here taking an oath. He's swearing by the soul, by the nafs, and its proportion. And concerning the reality that Allah has inspired the soul with the knowledge of that which corrupts it, as well as the knowledge that of that which elevates it. And then he says, called aflaha manzakaha. So whoever does succeed in purifying it, it the soul, it the nafs, they are successful. And whoever does not succeed in purifying their soul, or having their soul purified, then Allah said, وَقَدْ خَابَمًا دَسَاهَا Then this person or individual is absolutely ruined who leaves their soul unpurified. So these are the basis among many, many others that we could find in the Quran that would establish uh, a divine command that we are to follow someone. And specifically, we are to follow those who have turned to him, turned to Allah, turned toward the creator. And in so doing, we would find ourselves where they found themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Sheikh, I have a question in that regard. So uh, in my generation, I, I, I'll say, I don't want to call us the do-it-yourself generation, but when most things go wrong in my house or my car, usually my friends will say, look up a YouTube video, figure out how to do it, get your hands dirty. Um, this idea of going to someone else and benefiting from their knowledge or experience is um, something that's becoming lost. I mean, even in the business world, like nobody believes in the apprentice model anymore. It's just Google it, find the instructions, trial and error, figure it out yourself. Um, so with these verses that you recited, it seems like Allah is um, not of that persuasion and wants us to do something different. Uh, could you talk about kind of like the tug and pull that my generation experiences with grappling with that? I think we like rebel against authority and don't really like having to submit to somebody else. Yes, this is true. We're living in an age where it is the age of the self. There are documentaries, the century of the self. We can see that there has been a great effort towards the individuation, uh, individualization of 
human consciousness. That is the promotion of do-it-yourself. The promotion of I don't need to follow anyone. I am my own captain of my own ship and I don't need to follow anyone. Well, those of us who believe in Allah and the prophets and messengers, those of us who believe in revelation uh, of scripture, this will always and forever be the foundational uh, uh, information for us as Muslims to take our guidance from. As Allah described in the Quran, This is the book in which there is no doubt and it is guidance for those who are consciously aware of Allah. So in the scripture of Quran we and others, we find along the verses I've just mentioned that the creator is commanding us towards following particular guidance. That is the guidance of the prophets and messengers, first and foremost, uh, who we believe in. So Allah says verses like this in Surah Al-Nisa, that is chapter 4, uh, in the 80th verse, Allah says, Man yuti'ir rasul faqad ata Allah. Whoever obeys the messenger of Allah mm -hmm. has in fact obeyed Allah. So here we have another example of Allah commanding us to follow someone and not do it ourselves. To follow someone and learn how to do it in following someone. And those who we are following are the best of Allah's creation. That is the host of prophets and messengers. And those who have followed in their footsteps are the ones who we are going to follow. Now, to use your example, your friends suggest if you need an uh, oil change, then turn on a YouTube video and jack up your car and get your hands dirty. Well, the problem with that is if you're not a trained and or licensed and or experienced mechanic at doing oil changes, for example, there are a number of things that you could damage in your vehicle by attempting to do it yourself. Because this is why we are to learn any technical knowledge from others who have learned from others like this. So when you wanna become a professional mechanic, you go study with a professional mechanic and then you get accredited or licensed and then you can do as many oil changes as you like. And you wouldn't typically tend to destroy the vehicle that you're working on. But those who do it themselves, there's just too much of a risk for things to go wrong. Now, if you are in fact one who's done oil changes time and time again by yourself in your driveway, playing your YouTube video. And if you've done it so much so this way until you've never messed up anything, 
your vehicle is running smooth, your engine is running smooth, you've never put the wrong oil in, you've never done anything uh, amiss, then perhaps you're in a position to continue doing that. But to suggest to everyone that they should do this, this is highly dangerous because of the inherent possibility of people making mistakes when they're not qualified to do an oil change. So a lot of times people will recognize and understand this idea about being licensed and being trained. So nobody wants a a medical doctor who hasn't gone to school and been licensed. Nobody wants a lawyer who hasn't passed the bar. I mean, they they appreciate this authorization and this licensing in those fields. Uh, But for whatever reason, when it comes to the Islamic sciences, it becomes less important, this idea of licensing, um, someone being authorized and being trained. Where does that come from and how is that damaging? Because a lot of people don't necessarily see that possibility of damaging. In the car example, you could mess up your engine, you could really do something wrong. But most people will say, well, you know, if I read this book about spiritual purification and I mess up something, it's okay. You know, no, no harm, no foul. Okay, so, yeah, this is a good question as well because it it does speak to the fact that there has been a great disconnect in this particular age between different bodies of knowledge mm. and the different types of of uh, epistemology connected to these types of knowledge so that we can understand, for example, as you mentioned, in the medical field, why it is critical that the doctor that you see has went through a process of education and accreditation in that particular discipline. We can all agree and see that to go to a doctor that is unlicensed and to allow him to perform medicine on you, we can all agree, each one of us, that there's a great danger in such thing if you went before a uh, court and you have a lawyer uh, representing you that has not passed the bar examination We can all agree again, the inherent danger in having such representation. But because again of the particular type of age we live in, when it comes to spirituality, which is the most important of affairs, there has been a great disconnect from this same type of uh, position. So what we want to clearly establish for everyone is that if you would not go to a doctor who has not been trained and licensed, if you would not hire or retain a lawyer that has not been trained and licensed, why do you think with the most important of affairs such as your soul, why would we think that we would not need to go through the same process? This is illogical. So we wanna apply the same logic to the spiritual uh, life. And that is, we would like to go towards those individuals who have been licensed, accredited, validated, Mm -hmm. 
to give spiritual instruction. This is the way we would like to see our process of gaining spiritual knowledge, the same as we do with secular knowledge. None of us can claim that we have been uh, educated or self-educated. In other words, none of us would put a lot of stock in individuals who said, I didn't go to medical school, but I've read all the medical books. <laughs> you still wouldn't trust such an individual. Right. Someone who says, I have all of the law dictionaries on my bookshelf, but I didn't go to any law school. You wouldn't be too confident in that, would you? No. Right. So then, <laughs> spiritually speaking, it seems to me to be rather illogical that you would entrust your spiritual guidance or your spiritual purification or spiritual elevation to yourself or to some other person who has not been through themselves a process. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Shay, this is where I guess uh, it gets a little confusing for a lot of people my age. There's a difficulty in distinguishing between uh, what you're talking about, about someone who's licensed and validated and what I see in the Islamic circuit. You know, I go to a conference for a weekend, you know, somebody talks about a book that's been translated and I feel really good and I leave. And I think is that that's not what we're talking about, but people have a hard time distinguishing and seeing the difference because of how Islam is presented now. Um, so could you talk about what that difference is between like celebrity scholars and the people you see on Twitter and Facebook who make posts and, and what you're really talking about and what Allah is talking about in these verses? Okay, thank you. So yes, uh, when it comes to the scholars you're referring to, uh, I, I, I imagine what you mean by celebrity scholar. These are the popular speakers right. that we tend to see and hear from on the conference circuit. Mm -hmm. Yes, these are, you know, wonderful brothers and sisters who are making great effort to educate the Muslims in the way that they do. However, that is not the type of sheikh or uh, person that we're speaking about, as you uh, rightfully inferred in the verses that we recited. These verses that we recited are more so speaking to those scholars, sheikhs, teachers, guides of what we would call the inner realities as opposed to the outward realities. Could you explain what you mean by that, Sheikh? Yes. So because we're mentioning verses, uh, we recited verses that mention things like the soul mm -hmm. and its purification. Because we've recited verses that describe the purification of the soul, then we should be aware that we are describing the condition of the, the inner condition of the human being. So we're describing the condition of the soul. Now, in this way, what we know from these scholars of the inward sciences, that there are a number of diseases, spiritual 
illnesses which plague the soul of humanity. So whereas a doctor or physician treats the body, the spiritual guides treat the soul. So whereas the outward physicians treat our physical ailments, the spiritual doctors treat our inward spiritual diseases and illnesses. So for this reason, it is a specialized type of knowledge. And this specialized knowledge is not what you hear being taught in these conferences or what you call celebrity scholars or celebrity sheikhs. These are not necessarily what they are discussing in those particular uh, venues. They tend to limit their discussions to the outward affairs of the Muslims mm -hmm. without much attention being given to the inward reality and affair of the Muslims. So these people that we believe uh, uh, that Allah is inferring in the verses that we established are, for example, he said, Kunu ma'as-sadiqin, be with the truthful. Mm -hmm. Truthfulness is a spiritual quality. It is an inward quality. To gain that quality, right, as opposed to lying, mm -hmm. right? Right. Which is a disease of the soul. Mm -hmm. To lie, to tell other than the truth. Well, in order to move from lying to telling the truth, mm -hmm. one needs purification. One needs to be treated for the disease of lying. Mm -hmm. Yes, so then this again is the uh, sphere of the type of spiritual doctors that I'm discussing. Now, in regard to these um, spiritual diseases that can plague the soul, uh, you know, most of my contemporaries and myself at one point before I, you know, started learning and, 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 and sitting with you would you know, disregard that some, you know, there's a lot of phrases like Allah knows my heart or, you know, I'm trying, uh, you know, like I can just say Astaghfirullah and it's okay. Or, you know, when I go to that conference or I read Quran, I feel better about myself. So it, it causes them because they, because these diseases um, are inward and not outer, you don't see the marks on you. You don't see the blemishes. You don't see, you don't experience the, um, those outward signs that show that there's a, a, a problem. Uh, so what is the re what are the repercussions of these inner diseases and um, the, the people who try to self-treat because they don't have a spiritual guide? They don't have a shake. OK, uh, that is an excellent uh, point in question. So we'll go to the Quran again to seek our answer. So Allah says in Surah Tawbah, that is, again, the ninth chapter around the one hundred and twenty fourth verse. Allah says in that. Great clarifying uh, ayat وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي كُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَتْهُمْ رِسًّا إِلَىٰ رِسِّهِمْ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ So in this verse Allah says as for those in whose heart is a disease وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي كُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ so then we hear that the creator is descri de describing 
that there are people who have diseased hearts. And then he says, فَزَادَتْهُمْ رِجْسًا إِلَىٰ رِجْسِهِمْ And then because they don't seek the cure of said disease, he said, then they only increase in such disease, adding one sickness on top of another sickness, compounded sickness. He said, وَمَاتُ Until such people pass away, they die. وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ they pass away as disbelievers because these diseases, and we've only mentioned one, mm -hmm. describing lying. But I'll just mention a few more just to let the listener to know because the Quran says every human being knows themselves well. So you mentioned if I have a backache, for example, and my back physically hurts me, mm -hmm. and then that drives me to the doctor because I feel the pain of that right. backache, mm -hmm. and then I go seek remedy or treatment for that. But you said, well, when it comes to these inward diseases, they don't necessarily leave marks and pains on us right. to identify them. However, each one of us knows when we tell the truth and when we're lying. Mm -hmm. So let me mention a few more diseases of the heart, of the soul, such that Allah is describing in this verse. Well, among some of the other diseases that will afflict the human soul and human heart are diseases like the chief of them, shirk. Mm. That is the ascribing partners with the creator in one's consciousness shirk the ascribing of partners with god in one's worship in one's devotion that's one you could mention a disease like kibber arrogance we could mention a disease like hasad envy we could or jealousy we could mention diseases like uh, uh, as we mentioned, lying, kufr, disbelief, bukhl, stinginess, ujib, being conceited, riyah, showing off, namima, uh, slander, ghiba, backbiting, nifaq, hypocrisy, and on and on. These are the types of diseases that are inward. Now, it may might not always be possible for someone who is arrogant to know that they are arrogant or to recognize that they are arrogant. Someone may be stingy, but they may not recognize themselves as stingy. Someone may be greedy, but may not recognize themselves as such, right? So then with regard to these inward diseases, some of them we may ourselves be aware that we suffer. Others of these diseases, because of the nature of them, i.e., they are inward, meaning they may not be so readily identifiable. Mm -hmm. And in the case of diseases like that, then in order to remedy ourselves of said diseases, mm -hmm. 
we will need spiritual doctors. So, Sheikh, you know, when you were listing out some of those diseases, three of them that I think um, had me and probably the listeners really taken aback were shirk, kufr, and nifak. Uh, because we think about those, um, if you don't have a deep understanding of them as something that like, okay, the mushrikeen are the idolaters, or the, the kufar are, you know, the, the Quraysh who were fighting against the Prophet, sallallahu But are those things that like a Muslim could have, those diseases, shirk, kufr, nifak? Are those? I, I, I mean, I think uh, people would be really curious to 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 know that since you, you know, listing them, like as a Muslim, can I suffer from those? Yes, absolutely, you can. Uh, and again, so says the Quran. We, we we would like to establish all of our points and principles on the basis of the revelation of Quran, and Allah says. Regarding this, in Surah Yusuf, that is the 12th chapter, the 106th verse, Allah says, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُوا أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ You see, very clear. Allah says, most of them do not believe in Allah except that they are ascribing partners to him. Mm. So again, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُوا أَخْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ So this verse clearly describes that someone can claim to believe in Allah and yet be a, what you would call, idolater or polytheist or what the Quran declares them, mushrikun. That is, those who are ascribing partners. And it will come clear maybe what this verse is describing when we put it beside a hadith of our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam wherein he said and i will just uh, give the english meaning of this hadith uh, but he said peace and blessing of allah be upon him there is no god which is worshiped as a partner with Allah under the dome of heaven more than the ego and its desires which are followed. Mm. So you can find in this hadith what alludes to the fact that many Muslims or people who claim faith in God, while they claim faith in God, and they claim as Muslims to submit their will to the will of God. A verse like the one we just recited from Surah Yusuf, verse 106, will prove to us that it is very possible to claim to be a Muslim, yet ascribe partners to Allah. For example, Allah commands the Muslims to establish five daily prayers. Salatul Fajr or Salatul Subhi, the morning prayer, Salatul Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, and Isha. Now, you and I know Muslims who do not pray. Mm -hmm. They miss their Salah. They delay their Salah. They, in fact, neglect their Salah. So, for example, if you claim to submit 
your will to the will of the creator and the creator has commanded you to pray and you decide not to pray, then who do you really believe you are submitting to? Mm. Allah or yourself? Now, in the instant of that example where you found yourself submitting to yourself, Allah commanded you and I as Muslim to have matrimony in order to have licit sexual relations. Well, you and I know Muslims who are having sexual relations with people other than their spouse. This is illicit sexual relations. Yet they claim to be Muslim. Well, who are they really submitting to? Allah or themselves? So when the Prophet made this statement, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's describing an inward condition. He's describing an inward sickness and disease that says there is no God that is worshipped as a partner with Allah more than the ego or the nafs and its whimsical desires or lust that are followed, its caprices which are followed. So if the nafs or the ego feels itself to not want to get up in the morning and pray, for example, Mm -hmm. and you decide to lay there sleeping through Fajr, Mm -hmm. well, we would, from the spiritual perspective, say, yes, this is shirk, Mm. this is kufr, and this is nifak. Mm. Because, let's deal with it. Allah said, pray. You decided not to pray. So you did not submit to Allah. You submitted to yourself. That is shirk. Mm -hmm. Allah commanded you to pray. You did not do it. So we can say that is disbelief. Mm. You claim to be a Muslim, yet you don't pray. We can say that is nifaq, hypocrisy. So I hope that answers that it is in fact possible to be a Muslim and to yet be afflicted with such spiritual diseases. So this is why we need spiritual doctors. So Sheikh, that's that's a kind of a difficult pill to swallow. I mean, like, so I know myself, uh, I, I struggled at times with prayer. Uh, I was missing prayers and things like that, but I still felt like I believed. I still, you know, believed in la ilaha illallah, Muhammad and Rasulullah. I still, you know, claimed to be Muslim and struggled. So even if I'm like falling short or even if I'm like struggling, but it's hard, you know, that's that's still shirk. Does that, you know, does that make me outside of Islam? Am I not Muslim anymore? Okay. So, yes, there's a couple of things we can say. And the first thing we'll say just to clarify what we uh, uh, meant by that statement is again, we'll go first to the Quran. So Allah Taala says in Surah Al-Imran, that is the third chapter uh, around the 110th verse, Allah says, Minhum al-mu'minun wa akhtharuhum fasikun. So this verse says, among them there are faithful people, mu'minun. Faithful men and women. Faithful. But most of them are described by this word, which is people who transgress. 
people who violate the command of God, people who disobey the command of God, people who, for example, the one I used, Allah commands us to pray Salatul Subhi, Salatul Fajr, that is the morning prayer. So, if I claim to be a Muslim, I say, I'm a Muslim, I believe in Allah, I believe in the Quran, I believe that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, but, you know, I'm struggling with this praying five times a day thing. I, you know, you know, I believe in Allah, there's no God but Allah, Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. I believe I should pray five times a day because I know that he's commanded that. You know, I believe I should fast Ramadan because I know he's commanded that. I believe I should give zakat because I know he's commanded that. I know I should go to pilgrimage or make hajj to Mecca once in my life if I can afford it and I'm able to. Okay. We all can say we believe in these things. We all know it's the right thing. But now what is going on in us that prevents us from obeying Allah. This is what this verse is describing. Among them are some believers, some faithful people. In other words, these people will do what Allah said do. So when Allah said pray Fajr, there are people who will do it because they are faithful. Mm-hmm. Allah said pray, they say سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا we hear and we obey. They pray. But wa akhtharuhum fasikun. See, but then there's most or a lot of us who will know Allah said pray, but you know I'm just too sleepy right now. Or the bed is just too comfortable right now. Or I was just up too late last night, you know. So I know Allah told me to pray Fajr. And I believe that I should. But I'm not going to do it right now because I'm just too tired. That's who Allah is describing in this verse. Most of the people are corrupt in their disobedience, their transgression. Fasikun means to go beyond the limit. Fasikun means to transgress the limit. So if Allah said in the Adhan of Fajr, for example, Right? Salat is better than sleep. Some of us will hear that adhan going off. Allah is declaring prayer is better than sleep. And we will contend with Allah and say, uh, I don't believe so. I actually think sleep is better than prayer right now. So I'm not going to get up and pray. I'm going to stay asleep. Well then, don't kid yourself. You are a fasik. And it's not that Muhammad Abdullah, he declared you that. The creator declared you that. The revealer of the scripture called Quran declared you that. Now, we have to gain understanding now. So when it comes to a topic like shirk, for the listener who may say, you know, I heard your verse that you recited from Surah Yusuf, you know, again, that's the 12th chapter, 106th verse. Again, this is not me talking, it is Allah saying it. And he declared, most of them do not believe in Allah, except that they are mushrik. Now, what kind of shirk is Allah describing that most of the people are guilty of? 
Because you and I are living in a world, we don't hear people talking around us saying, I worship a tree, I worship a rock, I worship a stone, I worship that cow, I worship that sun. We don't see too many. Now, there are some that do, even in the United States. But we don't hear this or see this a lot openly. You know, you may come across a particular sect or the denomination of Christianity where they may tell you, you know, we worship Jesus beside, you know, God, that type of, you know, very blatant shirk. But for the most part, that is not what we see. Most of the people we interact with all claim to be monotheistic in their belief. They all claim to believe in one God. Yet we are able to see that that claim or that belief does not always match up with people's lifestyle and their behavior, their practices. So this is what the Prophet was describing when he said the most worshipped God, Ilahun, deity, that is worshipped as a partner beside Allah. It is not the trees and the rocks and the rivers that are, he said. No, he said it is nafsun walhawaun mutabi'un. It is the nafs and its caprices which are followed. So the caprice to not get up in the morning, for example. And you say, well, I'm just not going to get up. You have to be honest. We have to be honest at that moment. We're not Muslim. Mm. In that we're not submitting our will to Allah. Okay. Now you say, well, are you calling me then a cat? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, as our prophet said, Sallallahu at the time a man or woman drinks alcohol, Muslim man or woman, mm-hmm. he said they are not a Muslim. They are not a mu'min. And I don't believe that there's any one of us who would contend while someone is sipping alcohol that they're a Muslim. I don't think any one of us would be saying, yeah, that's a, that's a good Muslim right there. No, we would all know that is a fasic, that is a transgressor. If you found a Muslim eating swine, pork, and we know Muslims who eat pork, they claim to be Muslims, yet they are eating that which is forbidden. Okay, so what are you really you understand what I'm saying? What are you really? So in that sense, Muslim is one who has submitted and surrendered their will to Allah. And they are completely obedient with both their tongue and their limbs. So in other words, if you claim with your tongue to be a Muslim, then based upon the definition that we have been taught, we expect to see you implement that in acts of obedience with your limbs. So, for example, if Allah commanded you to pray five times a day, we expect to see you pray five times a day if you are, in fact, a Muslim. Now, if you say that you are a Muslim, but you're just struggling to pray five times a day, and all of us are struggling in some area or another, the struggle does not make you and I guilty of what I'm discussing. The struggle is just proving that there is something in our being that is opposed to obeying Allah. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself struggling 
to stop drinking alcohol. Find yourself struggling to pray five times a day. Find yourself struggling to fast the month of Ramadan. You're struggling to give zakat. You're struggling to have licit sex. You're struggling to come to the masjid for Salatul Jummah, brothers. You're struggling to read the Quran in a day or a month or a year. Well, you ought to be made to know that there is something causing this struggle. <laughs> and... That thing is the soul, the nafs, the ego. And that is what we have to struggle against. That, that's why Allah said in the verse that we cited earlier today, the very clear meaning of struggle and making jihad because, or the spiritual struggle when he said, if we would uh, struggle in his path, see, we have to fight against that thing that makes us be transgressive toward the divine command. And that is the soul itself. That is the heart itself. So we have to uh, engage that. But maybe at another time, we would speak for the listener to gain more clarity on the levels of shirk. So when someone may have heard that verse in the Quran, and I want to again reiterate, that is Allah's word, not mine. He declared most of them do not believe in Allah except that they are mushrik. So then we have to say to the creator, who are you describing? And why have you described that most of them are guilty of this number one disease of the soul? shirk the ascribing partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala well there are levels to this thing and Muslims in general have been protected from the most obvious forms of shirk such as we mentioned worshiping uh, any human being beside Allah worshiping any creature beside Allah angels uh, jinn animals, other creations, sun, moon, stars. Well, we understand that, uh, as I even mentioned, the first verse I recited in our talk was, Allah said, if your parents should contend with you and seek to get you to uh, uh, subscribe, a partner with Allah, he says, do not obey them. Do not obey them. Yet remain with them in goodness, treating them dutifully, but do not follow them in that condition because that is the uh, number one unforgivable sin. So we want to be made free of that shirk and this ummah has been made free of that most apparent level of shirk. So there is no Muslim who will ever tell you I am worshiping something other than Allah. No one will actually open their mouth and say that by the grace of God alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah all the Muslims have been saved from that type of shirk yet the Quran again we'll go to that book to find well have we all been saved from any other types of shirk mm. and the Quran also declares no you have not such as this verse Allah says in the Quran wailun lil musalin alladhina hum an salatihim sahun so here we have a verse, Allah is saying 
So woe to those who pray. Wait a minute, God. You said woe to those who make salat. Yes, that's what he said. But he put it in the context. Listen to the next verse. Those who are negligent in their prayer. Those who are lazy in their prayers. Those who are lackadaisical in their prayers. Those who tend to delay their prayers to the very last moment. Then he described an even worse condition than that. Those who pray just to be seen of men. This is showing off. This is that disease I mentioned earlier called Riyah. Well, wait a minute. That means even if I pray, but I'm praying to be seen. Well, who are you really worshiping? So then, brothers and sisters, we have to understand that shirk has levels. And our Prophet said, I am afraid for my ummah, not for that most obvious shirk. No, I'm not afraid for this ummah that you'll ever start worshiping the sun, moon, and stars again. I'm not afraid for this ummah that you'll ever start worshiping anything among the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a God openly beside Allah. But he said, I'm more afraid for my ummah of an inconspicuous shirk. It is a hidden level of association. And for example, he said, it is more difficult to identify than a black ant crawling on a black rock on a black night. It is difficult to see, but yet it is there. So if we're showing off, if we're transgressive to the command of God, then we have to be honest with ourselves, at least. Who am I really submitting my will to? Is it the creator or is it my own self? So Allah asked the question again in the Quran. Have you seen the one who has taken their own nafs as a God beside Allah? And it's a rhetorical question asked. But brothers and sisters, the answer is yes. We have all seen the one who has taken the nafs as a God beside Allah. And we have seen it in the mirror. How do I know if this is the right person to be my spiritual guide? Um, so in those in those verses that you uh, that you quoted, Allah gives some examples. But what are some tangible things? Because, you know, there are so many people who are vying for my attention or to be my guide. There are liberal Muslim scholars, conservative Muslim scholars. Uh, you know, I really don't necessarily know um, who is you know, on guidance or who Allah is talking about in these examples, what are some ways I can discern that and uh, know uh, who to follow? Okay. Uh, that's a excellent question as well. Thank you. And I guess what, where I'll go for the answer to that question is to uh, our Sheikh, that is Sheikh Al-Islam Al-Hajj Ibrahim and yes, Radiallahu Anhu, from Senegal, Kaulak, Senegal, uh, Malana Sheikh Ibrahim Yas, in his book, uh, Ruh al-Adab, which is his first book that he wrote at the age of 21 years old. Uh, in that book, The Spirit of Good Morals or The Spirit of Proper Etiquette, he advises for everyone who would be desirous of taking up 
such a path of the purification of one's soul, then he advises us very clearly what should be the qualification or what should be the shake that we are looking for. And he says to us in this book, So he says in this uh, line of poetry, uh, which is this book, 121 lines of poetry, but he says in this line, uh, So he tells us we ought to look for or seek a knowledgeable and experienced teacher. With sound advice. Kamil al-Irfan, complete in divine gnosis or complete in the knowledge of God. Imaman Salihan. And also, the guide should be a righteous leader. In other words, it is someone who we should look to seek who has the ability to give us spiritual teaching and training and education so they themselves must be knowledgeable and experienced. Murabbiyan, khabiran, knowledgeable and experienced. Nasihan, able to give sound advice as our Prophet That our deen, our way of life is to be able to give sound advice based upon the revelation of Allah Taala and the guidance of the Prophet. So, sound advice. And then he made this point, Kamil al-Irfan. So, the sheikh, the guide that we should seek ought to be someone who is themselves complete in the knowledge of Allah by what we call Irfan, what is called Ma'rifa, what is called Gnosis. What we mean by that? Direct experiential knowledge of God. Well, and they should also be, he says, imaman saliha, which is a righteous leader, someone who you and I can emulate, someone whom you and I can literally follow and mimic. As Allah said in the Quran, what tabit sabila man anaba ilayya, follow the path of one who has turned to me. You found verses like this over and over again describing this is the type of individual we should Follow, Malana Sheikh Ibrahim and Yas commenting on that verse, follow the one who turns to me. He said, there is no one who has turned to the creator, to Allah, entirely except those who know him. The rest of the people may turn to Allah on this day, but not that day. They may turn to Allah in this moment, but not that moment. They may turn to Allah in this situation, but not that situation. They may turn to Allah when things are bad, but when things are good, they are on their heels, says the Quran. They turn on their heels, meaning they turn their back to the God once he gives them relief from their difficulty, right? Mm -hmm. So we find this is the condition. And all of us who are honest with ourselves, you can know that about yourself, that you've been guilty of that. We've been guilty of that. And so, therefore... We have to seek those guides who are not like us. Mm -hmm. We have to seek those guides who have dedicated themselves to Allah 
sincerely and entirely. As he says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhallazina amanu itkulu fisilmi kafa. O you who believe, enter into submission and surrender entirely, completely. Well, how do you do that? How do you completely surrender to the Creator? We would suggest by following those who have done so. Mm -hmm. Allah says in the Quran, lastly, describing the Prophet You have in the Messenger of Allah the best example to emulate. For those who believe in Allah or those who yearn for Allah and the last day. So you can find in all of these type of verses that we are to emulate those who have showed us the good example of what a life in complete surrender looks like. And that is first and foremost the lives of the prophets and messengers. They have showed the human family what does it look like to live a life in entire complete submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, after the prophets, those who are showing us this example are those who know Allah, the saints, the awliya, his friends, the arifina billah, those who are knowledgeable of Allah with complete knowledge. These are the ones who are showing us the example in our ummah from Indonesia, Malaysia, India, Pakistan, Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Chad, Sudan, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger Nigeria, Senegal, Mauritania, Morocco. We find these places and elsewhere and the United States of America, Atlanta, Georgia. We find these people being dispersed all over the world. In fact, all over the ummah. And they are doing the work of becoming or being great exemplars for Muslims to emulate, Muslims to seek to follow them in their path as Allah has commanded us to do. So these are the qualifications that we ought to look for uh, to know this is the type of sheikh I can follow. This is the type of spiritual guide I can take as a mentor. I can take as an example that I can seek to put my foot where his foot steps. Uh, this is the way uh, that we would like to uh, explain why the Muslims need to follow such type of sheikh and they should meet this type of description. Knowledgeable, experienced, able to give sound advice, righteous leaders. These are people who go in front of us and show us how it is to be done. And then we simply follow their example and we arrive at where they arrive. And where they arrive, brothers and sisters, is at the pleasure of Allah and the love of Allah and the pleasure and love of the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is what we are all seeking, to get the love of God, 
to have Allah well pleased with us and to get the love of the Messenger of Allah and to have the Messenger of Allah also well pleased with us. So we are attempting to follow the path of those who are following Allah and the Prophet and we expect that we will arrive at where they arrived, inshallah. Sheikh, so today you talked a lot about the uh, the nafs, and you know I think next time we get together, I want to go more into that. What is this soul? What is this ego? That uh, in in cases where we're transgressing the command of Allah, we're submitting to in place of Allah. Uh, I think um, you know Muslims would be really interested in understanding that. And we hear a lot of things on the internet. You know, is the ego the same thing as the soul? Is the soul the spirit? So I want to dive into that and get uh, your thoughts on that matter. See what Allah has to say. Yes, we want to uh, speak to that because that is at the crux of the spiritual path. That is at the crux of the path of uh, purification. When we mention those verses that we did mention, we see that Allah himself is describing or speaking of this word, the nafs. And he is taking us again a swear, an oath by it. And he describes it as a creation of his that he has given its proportions. So we will definitely uh, need to go into that uh, to clarify what we mean when we say this word or when Allah uses this word, nafs. We want to get into what is it and just what is the nature of the soul? What is the nature of the uh, ego or the personality or the I or the self. These are all the types of things, that, the words we hear used, but they're all describing this reality called nafs. So we will speak to it, inshallah ta'ala, inshallah. in the next uh, uh, time. That's fine. Alhamdulillah. Uh, thank you very much, Sheikh. I think that's all the questions I have for today. Would you mind closing us out in uh, dua, please? Yes. Uh, thank you very much for the uh, the uh, interview and the questions. These were excellent questions. Thank you very much. May Allah bless you and Ameen. bless the uh, the podcast and bless Ameen. all of the listeners Ameen. with uh, benefit from these uh, talks. Amin. Aqulu qawli hadas astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa sa'ad al-muslimin wal-muslimat wal-mu'minin wal-mu'minat al-ahya'i minhum wal-amwat. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wala asr inna linsana la fi khusr illa lazina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasa bil haq wa tawasa bil sabr. All that we've said today, we seek Allah's forgiveness for myself and for you and for all of the listeners, the believing uh, men and women, the, those who submit their will to Allah the, among the men and the women, the faithful men and women, the living as well as the dead. Amen. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, by the time. Surely man is in a state of loss, except those who have faith and except those who do good deeds and exhort one another towards the truth and exhort one another towards patience. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa nashadu in la ilaha illa anta wa nastaghfuruku wa natubu ilayka ya arhamar rahimin innaka afun karim wa tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna. O Allah, you love to pardon, you love to forgive. Please pardon myself our dear brother Sidi Joshua and all of the listeners Ameen. to this podcast. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Nabiul Ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. O oh Allah, we ask that you send abundant peace and blessings and salutation upon our master Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
and his family and companions and all of those who follow them until the day of judgment with ihsan subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifuna wassalamun ala al-mursalina walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin assalamu alaykum Alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah This podcast is created by Joshua Abdul Haq produced by Ikhlas Salim and music by On Beats To find out more about these topics please visit Sheikh Abdullahi's blog muhammadabdullahi.blogspot.com and don't forget to leave your boy a review on Apple Podcast or wherever else you listen to podcasts You stay up I'll stay down and I'll see you on the next episode. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>